0: Download the Viator app now, and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Be it superstition or just an apparition, you suddenly appear inside my heart. Does this strange romance stand ghost? Welcome to from the bleachers. I'm your host as always, Seamus Clancy, coming to you from the wonderful Bleeding Green Nation Radio Podcast Network. Today it's, I'm recording around noon on Wednesday. Hopefully you're listening to this maybe tonight, Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, whatever it is. Hope you maybe you're listening, driving down the shore, going on a little vacation for this holiday weekend. I know I'm heading the shore uh, late Thursday night, early or Friday morning. I'm amped to get out of the city for a little bit and just chill. Um, a lot of that is due to, given my career choices that have put me on this path, uh, my distaste for the current Philadelphia sports team scene. And I was in I was in my bag last episode. We're talking about comparing Carson Wentz and Ben Simmons, doing some Sixers talk because the Eagles are, you know, in the lull season, training camp hasn't started yet. Yeah, it's kind of a – you know, there isn't a lot of sparks and juice for this Eagles offseason the way I've been for, honestly, every other Eagles offseason my entire life, or at least – you know, during my time as a fan, you know, dating back to the beginning of this century. So I was a downer talking about like my five. I gave a list of my five, you know, least favorite Philadelphia sports games ever. You know, I kind of just did it to all the top of my head, had – you know, like the, you know, Al Alshon Jeffrey drop gaming at the Saints, you know, Cliff Lee's meltdown 2011 NLDS, Tampa Bay Buccaneers 2017 championship game. And it was all predicated because of that game five Sixers Hawks game where the Sixers were up by 26 points, blew the game, lost the series, disaster ensued. Philly stink. Sixers are going to go down as an all time disappointment, all time fraud team along the lines of the 1964 Phillies and the 2011 Philadelphia Eagles. It was a downer. And again, Philly stink. Sixers, embarrassing. Flyers barely register as an existing entity right now. And the Eagles are coming off the worst season of my lifetime. What are we doing here? Dire situation here. Dire situation. We need some excitement. And again, I'm usually I kind of, you know, I have bipolar disorder. No, hand up. Uh, kind of go between being super hyper optimistic and crushingly pessimistic. Kind of, you know, goes along pretty well. But after last week, it was a downer. It was a negative podcast. I, I needed to express my emotions about this Sixers team. And it's, it's one of those unraveling things where you're thinking about one thing. And this goes for a lot of facets in life outside of sports. And I'm sure it's kind of a universal concept. You're thinking about one thing. And that, that's upsetting you. That's making you mad. And then you start spiraling and snowballing. And then you're thinking of other things that make you mad, whether it's life, relationships, jobs, family, whatever it may be. But you know, in that instance, I was thinking about all the other Philadelphia sports failures that had come before that in my life and had come to define me as a person in a real way, as someone who eventually their personal life and their professional life has become so intertwined. That it's impossible for me to go more than two minutes in any given day without thinking about the Philadelphia sports scene. It's amazing, it's incredible, and it's sickening all at the same time. But again, that was a negative podcast last week. Not going to talk about Carson Wentz and Ben Simmons in a negative light this week. There will be some Carson Wentz talk, but it'll be in a positive light. I wanted to rank my 20 favorite, 20 best, however you want to say it, Eagles games. My favorite Eagles game, the 20 games I look back to as being some of the best moments of my life as a fan and kind of just as a person overall, again, as someone whose you know, relationships, whether the romantic or family relationships or just platonic relationships are so tied to the Philadelphia Eagles and the tailgate scene and this communal aspect of Eagles fandom, which is, was, which is what really ties me into this team. And, you know, that's the essence and heart of this podcast from the bleachers. I'm trying to, ooze that sense of communal bonds and familiarity that defines Eagles fandom for a lot of people. Again, going to be a little positive today. Let's have some fun. Holiday weekend. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to you know have a little break, get out of the city, get this the sickness of Philadelphia sports off my soul for a little bit, even though I'll be down there tweeting about the Eagles and Sixers and Phillies, I'm sure. But you get what I'm saying. So let's go. I'm doing a top 20. It, it was so hard. I can't do a top five. I can't do a top 10. Can't be top 15. Can't be top 20. couple of rules and regulations here. I'm only doing games in my time as a fan. Is the 1980 NFC Championship game one of the best Eagles games of all time? Is the 1960 NFL Championship game one of the Eagles' best games of all time? Yes, of course, these things. But guess what? I wasn't alive there. If my dad made the list – maybe he would have the 1980 MC championship game. My grandfather was still alive. Maybe he would pick the 1960 NFL championship game, but my dad wasn't even alive. Then I wasn't even exist in any sort of realm. Why would I pick that game? It's not one of my favorite games. I didn't see it with my own eyeballs. And so that's going to skewer towards more recent games. So you don't have like any of the bounty ball stuff, you know, the was it 1987 strike season uh, with the Cowboys and Eagles, that whole situation. So I don't, I don't have a lot of these classic games, um, from the pre-Andy Reid era, essentially, and that's not to say those games aren't important because they're such a part of Eagles lore and the mystique that's come to you know define the Eagles in their pre-Super Bowl era. And I respect all of those. I know have a you know a knowledge base about them, even though again, it's not like I was watching those games live myself. So really, I'm dating back these games until 2001. Yeah, 2000 was that game where uh, you know the Eagles made the playoffs for the first time under Andy Reid. They they beat Tampa Bay in the first round. Uh, and eventually it was the Giants in the second round, of the Giants going to make the Super Bowl and lose to the Baltimore Ravens. But I, I didn't really have a sense of fandom then. I'm 27 now. I was born in 1994. Um, I, I didn't have any concrete memories from that season. The first season I have some real memories of the team are the 2001 season. So, again, we're kind of just going from 2001 on because this is a personal thing. I can't really talk about what happened in you know 1992 or 1991 for this team. It just doesn't make sense. I don't have that sort of formative basis that would define my opinion of the team. So we'll go from here, dating back to 2001 on, essentially. We could do it like that. These are my favorite games. I, haven't, I have the, uh, the list as the best games ever, but this, these are my favorite games too. You could, however you want to say it. it's, it's such a subjective thing. And I'm sure if I made this list two weeks from now – Either some other games would be in. Some games would be out, and the order would be all shaken up. But it is what it is. We have game number 20. Let's let's get right into it. Nick Foles, 2013, throws seven touchdowns in one game. One to Brent selick three to Riley Cooper, one to LaShawn McCoy, one to Zach Ertz, and one to Deshaun Jackson. The Eagles win 49 to 20. They were three and five going in that game, not looking too hot. They win that game, and they go. Eight, they end up going on a run. It, it takes them to eight and five. Um, that game was sort of the beginning of that magical fall season, uh, where he throws was it twenty seven touchdowns, two interceptions, and you know then they they make a playoff game. That's a re- really memorable year during the chip era. I have a couple other games from that season on this list, but. That's the first game where you thought, oh, my God, is this, this Nick Foles guy special? You know, he seemed okay. He looked okay in the end of the 2012 season. He's got chips here now. Is this guy going to be the next franchise quarterback for this team? Are we are going to be watching him for the next 10 years? And it's a real twisted thing, right, the way you look back at Nick Foles' first tenure in Philadelphia. And he wasn't the savior. He wasn't the franchise. But in the end, he ends up being, what, the most important player in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles. Divine Intervention. That Super Bowl win was Divine Intervention. Number 19 on the list. Week three 2017 Eagles Super Bowl season. Jake Elliott's walk-off 61-yard field goal to win it. Eagles win 27-24. The Eagles were one and one. That was their first home game of the season. I was up in that st- the stands at the link for that game. It felt like 105 degrees there. It's the hottest I've ever been in an Eagles game. We talk about you know the coldest games ever. That's the hottest game I was ever at. The uh, little woman who sits next to me my season tickets was could not stop giving me sunblock. She was so concerned about uh, me getting burned up or anything like that. And that, that's one of those plays. Jake Elliott was a nobody right then. That doesn't say he was a bad person or anything like that. Just no one knew he was. Signed up the street, all these things. Uh, he got, got cut in training camp by the Bengals, even though they drafted him as a kicker, which is you know, a rare occurrence in the NFL. And he hits that. They end up going, what? they That's the beginning of a nine-game win streak. That game, it, it's it's not as obvious in the moment. But in retrospect, they if they don't win that game, if he doesn't make that kick right there, they're not going to win the Super Bowl. And that seems like an oversimplification, but it's true. That game began that run... That gave them that team of destiny feel because that's a game – because the Eagles were running for a lot of the game and the Giants came back and tied the game. Class Eagles occurrence. That is a game for most of my life before that, the Eagles always lose. What happened in 2017, all the games that the Eagles usually lose, they won. And they won the Super Bowl. Not for that J.K. Like kick, you know, twist the fortunes of the team. That's – you know, was a catalyst for the run that was to come. And Jake Elliott made a huge field goal then, made some huge field goals in the playoffs and the Super Bowl. You know, he's, he's kind of been in a weird situation last year. He wasn't great. His contract is pretty bad. I did see him out at dinner last night and in off. He didn't say anything to him. I can't be, like, weird like that. But I saw he was out and about. Hopefully he's doing well. Hopefully he's ready for a season that mirrors his 2017 season this upcoming fall rather than what he did last year. We are on – to number eighteen, Miracle at the Meadowlands number Two. Now, in the iconic miracle the new Meadowlands call for Mari Reese and Mike Quick, Mike Quick uh, titles that game Miracle the Meadowlands Number Two. But that's a misnomer. That's not actually what it is. The Miracle at the Meadowlands number Two happened in week seven of the two thousand and three season. The Eagles go in that game two and three. That was a rough situation that year. The end of the 2003 season, they had lost to Tampa Bay in the NFC Championship game the year prior. The last game at Veterans Stadium. Beginning of 2003, they open up Lincoln Financial Field against that same Buccaneers team and lose. And then week two, they play the Patriots who end up going on the, and winning the Super Bowl and then winning the Super Bowl the following year. And they lose to the Patriots. And up it's a bye week. Everyone, sky's falling in Philadelphia. The sky's falling. They want to believe they beat the Bills in week four. They won in week four. And week four, they win in week five and lose in week six. So we're going into week seven. A loss here, and that really shakes things up. It's a divisional game. Not going to look good if they lose this one. They're trailing 10-7 to with less than two minutes left. And Brian Westbrook goes for an 84-yard punt return touchdown. A miraculous win, hence the miracle at the Meadowlands, number two. Uh, kind of a forgotten note that I saw when I was looking up some some stuff about the game. Westbrook actually scored the first touchdown of the game, a six-yard touchdown around the first quarter. So, he had two touchdowns that game. Eagles won 14-10. Everything, everything was Westbrook that day. Obviously, surrendering or giving up just 10 points is a great performance by the defense and the special teams. You have to give props to them. But Brian Westbrook carried that team to a victory that day. You know what they go into – you got know, to go two and three, and then they end up making the NFC Championship game that year. It's a huge divisional game. And again, one of those situations, if they don't win that game, maybe they don't even make the playoffs at all. Number 17 we have here. The 2008 wild card round at Minnesota. That would be the second time in my life the Eagles beat the Vikings in the playoffs. But not the last. And I'm sure you know. We'll talk about that soon. Coming off forty-four to six win the previous week, and obviously we're going to talk about forty-four to six in a little bit. Eagles win 26-14. We own Minnesota. We own Minnesota. That's simple. My favorite play of the game—it's one of my favorite Eagles plays ever—and I think that's why I might value this game a little bit more than other Eagles fans. Is middle of the game, Sante Samuel, who I miss. I love. The, the ball skills they talked about in the pre-draft process. I, I need cornerbacks and defensive backs who have those ball skills. Sante Samuel has a 44-yard pick six. And as he's darting down the sidelines, Tavarius Jackson. Tavarius Jackson? Tavarius Jackson. I forget his name. now. It's been a while. Tavarius Jackson, uh, the Vikings quarterback, is you know kind of jogging, trying to get in the way to kind of make a tackle on Asante. And big old Chris Clemens, number 91, sees him. And, and a move today that would give him kicked out of the game and suspended and stuff, absolutely picks Jackson up and just smashes him down into the end zone as Asante goes in. Craziness. I loved it. It was fun. Um, I was old as then. It was a freshman in high school, one of those moments that kind of remember where I was, who I was with. And that's a lot of the stuff. And listen, that's a lot of the things – where you know you'll have different games on the list because it's a special moment to you it's kind of a flashbulb memory where you remember where you were when watching the game who you were with what were you doing, what were doing where you drinking what were you were eating all those types of things but that one always stands out to me i love that play remember going absolutely eight s crazy uh, when he threw Jackson down like that number 16 we have the first chip kelly game week 1 2013 thought we were watching the future of football, the evolution of the game, the speed with which they played in that first half, that first quarter, was mind-blowing, and it seemed like we were on the cusp of the next era of football, and it was the Eagles were going to be on the forefront of that because of Chip Kelly. Now, did it really work out like that? No. Chip Kelly brought a lot of innovation to the NFL that its remnants are still felt today, but he wasn't the guy who succeeded the most from his own arrogance, from his own inabilities to – oh, the Chip Kelly thing. I have one of these commentators here, Snipes88VA. Thank you for joining and watching right now. Yeah, Chip Kelly ever went down. And, and so quickly after that, 2013 is uh, a great season. We thought it was in the beginning of something special. Obviously it didn't turn out to be that way. 2014, uh, I had high hopes for that team. They were 9-3 and at one point. Uh, and then they lose, end up going 10-6, and miss the playoffs. They dismantled the Cowboys on Thanksgiving that year in 2014. You know, 2014 is when I was a junior in high school. I was intern in Philadelphia, Philadelphia Daily News. I was covering the team in person. I was going to the games. That was really when I became – obviously, I was obsessed about the Eagles for all my life, but that was sort of the season where it became clear the team was taking, like, a negative toll on my life at the same time. So it's this weird balance for that season The Chip era kind of has on me. But for that game, they're up 26-7 at halftime. It was pandemonium. Fans are just freaking out. Obviously, it's a road game down in Washington. But I was texting all my friends. I was watching with a couple of my buddies up in my college house that year. I, was, I guess it was a sophomore in college that year. It was a blast. You know, again, we thought the Eagles were, you know, the, the way the Moneyball A's were on the cusp the, of the analytic, analytical analytical re- revolution. We thought Chip Kelly was sort of doing the same thing with the Eagles, but obviously, didn't turn out to be the case. But we can't forget the excitement that came from that game. Number fifteen, we have. 2002, week 11, Eagles, third play of the game, playing the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona, they, they were Arizona still then. That was when they were still in the uh, – still in the NFC East then. I think the Texans came in that year, and that's when they switched things up. But um, And then they went to the NFC West. But weirdly, the Cardinals were in the a- NFC East for a long time. Third play of the game, Donovan McNabb breaks his fibula in three different places. Goes in the locker room, gets taped up, ends up playing the whole game hobbling around, throws four touchdown passes. Unbelievable. People criticize McNabb. He's not a winner. He's not all these different things. And again he, again, he never won a Super Bowl here. Performed not great in the Super Bowl. The whole puking thing will live on in infamy in Philadelphia forever. But the thing for me was he gutted out that game. And it's memorable to me. And then he missed a ton of time after that. A.J. Felix. Coy Demmer comes in and he gets hurt. A.J. Feeley comes in and he does really well. McNabb comes back for the playoffs, not really the same. And I think part of that loss to Tampa Bay was that McNabb was just not right. Um, but you have to credit him for going out there and gutting it out. He's an injured McNabb. I still think at that point was better than what we were getting from Feely. Um, but that performance that day was just incredible. I remember my dad was working, uh, you know, night work the game be- the night before, and he didn't wake up until a little before uh, the ge- little after the game started. And he comes downstairs. I'm sitting in the living room. I guess with my Eight years old or something, and he's like, "Why isn't the canal?" And he goes, "Oh, he like broke his leg. He just like started screaming in Carson or whatever or something like that." But you know, he came back in, and it was an incredible performance that you know I think it's, it's forgotten for a lot of fans. You know, I was a little bit younger then, maybe more so, more student to the team than people my age were then. Um, so something for younger fans. Again, I'm 27. Younger generation forgets that game, and it's something that shouldn't be forgotten though. We have number 14, 2008, week 16 against the Texans. That's the last game. I read about this in a mailbag. Someone asked me during last season when everything was going to hell or what. When's the last time you felt like the Eagles were actually like an unbelievable great team, a true Super Bowl contender? And it's week 16 against that, that Texans team that year. Remember that game? Uh, the week prior, Foles comes in, starts against the Rams. They're on the road. They're like 14-and-a-half-point underdogs, beat the Rams in L.A., come back home, play in the Texans. They need to go on this crazy run. They need some help to make the postseason. They, get, they win this game. Jake Elliott has, what, a walk-off, 35-yard field goal. They were down, you know, 30-29, to end up winning 32-30. Um, you know, that was the game where J. Devon Clowney had a crazy, dirty hit on Foles. That was just total BS. And then, obviously, we had a dirty hit from – Clowning on an Eagles quarterback the following year, too, unfortunately. But, you know, it kept those insane playoff hopes alive. Um, We thought we were catching that Foles magic again, the same way we did in 2017. He has maybe one of the best games ever for an Eagles quarterback. Sets a franchise record with 471 passing yards in a single game. Also tosses four touchdowns. Has that 83-yard bomb to Nelson Aguilar that was electric and incredible. Um, they go and beat Washington next week. Then they have the double joint game, but then they lose to New Orleans uh down in Louisiana against the Saints that game. It was a fun football season that was rough for once. Yeah, it, it was rough for Wentz. Before Foles came in in 2018, obviously I was still really supporting Wentz then. I wanted him to have success, but it just wasn't right when he was in there in 2018. And then once Foles came in, again, we, we thought we had that Super Bowl magic. And again, that's the last time I was like, oh my God, we're going to win back-to-back Super Bowls didn't come to fruition, but it is what it is. Number 13, we have 4th and twenty-six, two 2003 divisional round at home against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Fred X comes in clutch, The you know, one of the biggest catches. I uh, mean, maybe one of the few catches he's ever made, but certainly the biggest. Again, a gutsy throw by McNabb and a double coverage. And Fred X picks up that first down the Eagles go. A couple clutch performances from David Akers. Akers ties it up. Eagles go to overtime. Brett Favre, who's might be like one of the most overrated players of all time throws that absolute duck up in the air in overtime as if he was, you know, playing street football and fourth down, you could throw up, a, you could throw up a Hail Mary and wherever the ball lands, that counts as a punter. Or something. that's what it looked like. Dawkins picks it off. Eagles go down the field. Akers makes another kick. Eagles win it. I think we forget because of how spoiled we were for David Akers for nearly a decade or about a decade that you can't take kicking for granted. He was clutch. He was automatic. He was amazing as an Eagle. And, you know, someone people should respect more. I know it's it's weird with a kicker, but again, a younger generation, you know, we have Jake Elliott who, again, 2017, tons of success, but he's been up and down since then to, you know, when kickers are doing well, you know, you're lucky to have that because it's such a flimsy position. Number 12, I have Thursday Night Football in 2017. The Eagles are on the road down in Carolina. They go in there. Um, Carolina was still hype. Cam Newton had won the MVP Two years prior, they had made the Super Bowl two years prior. And that game is obviously Thursday night. Football it's on a national audience. And that felt the first time the Eagles were sending a message to the rest of the league to put them on notice that this was a Super Bowl contender. And that's the first game that year after that. I thought, man, this team could really make a run. They could go in the Super Bowl. They could win the Super Bowl. Doug Peterson was super aggressive. That game going for it on fourth down, going for two-point conversions. Michael Kendricks and Nigel Bradham played two of the best games I've ever seen Eagles linebackers play. Fantastic game. Fantastic game. It was awesome. Number 11, we have 2004, week one against the Giants at home at Lincoln Financial Field. Terrell Owens' first game as a Philadelphia Eagles goes off for eight catches, 68 yards, and three touchdowns, doing all his dances in the end zone. He was the prince that was promised coming here. The first great skill position player, It's first great wide out, I should say, because they had Brian Westbrook, but they had a Hall of Fame talent at wide receiver for the first time during the Andy Reid and Donna McNabb era. And we thought that was going to be, again, the beginning of this, oh, my God, we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. It was that feeling automatically in week one. Obviously, it's one of the best seasons in Eagles history, but they come up short in the Super Bowl. But I will say T.O. played, you know, as injured as he was, played absolutely incredible in that Super Bowl. Halfway point, we're at number 10, Snowball 2013, crazy atmosphere at that game. I didn't go to that game I Had a season ticket holder. I couldn't go. I uh, had like a, a paper in my Greek history class that was like way overdue and I got an extension. It was due the next day. So I'm like, oh, I won't go to the game. I'll like stay at home and like try to work on it while I'm watching the game. Obviously, don't do the paper at all and watch the game and end up doing the paper and finishing at like four o'clock in the morning and getting like, I don't know, like a B plus on it or something, pulling it out of my A. I don't know. I don't know what curses. I can see on here sometimes. Anyway, there's a couple of iconic images of that game. It's the Sean McCoy jumping up in the snow. You have that the game-stealing play where Brent Suck is sliding through the snow. Um, Just one of those, uh, again, a flashbulb game where everyone remembers where they were for that game. Iconic. LaShawn McCoy had uh, the best rushing performance, maybe the best performance by a skill position player in Eagles history that day. Just absolutely incredible. Electric, had so much juice, however you want to say it. Again, one of those games that should be where you thought, my God, this is like a team of destiny. This team is going to do it. This is the beginning of this next great Eagles era. And again, it didn't end up being that. You can't forget how awesome and how important it felt in that specific moment. Number nine, this might be a little bit lower than most people. And I understand if you have it higher, but just again, this is a personal ranking list. 2004 NFC Championship game. The Eagles get that devil off the back. They had lost in the NFC Championship game the three years prior. They're at home. They beat the Falcons. They go to the Super Bowl for the first time since 1980. I remember in Don McNabbs holding up the NFC championship, NFC champion trophy that had a daily, the Philadelphia Daily News that had a big puller of it was hanging up on my bedroom wall. It was up there for years. Um, you know, it was a huge snowstorm in Philly the day before, out there playing touch football with my friends in the snow, diving everywhere, or I maybe mean, playing tackle with snow, who knows, but having a blast. And then to actually see them for the first time making that Super Bowl was just unbelievable, man. Un- un- unbelievable what I had dreamed in my whole life. And then. You know, they don't win that game. And maybe because they don't win the Super Bowl, it's a little lower on my list. But I don't know. It's my list. I don't care. Number eight, we have the Monday Night Massacre in 2010 at Washington. First play of the game, 88-yard play action bomb from Michael Vick to Deshaun Jackson. They go up, what, with less than 10 seconds in to the second quarter, up 35 nothing. Just absolutely trashed and McNaught who's the quarterback for washington which made for a lot of funny moments that was his first season out of philadelphia 2009 was his last season as an eagle um just completely demolished them demolished them and i don't know the next time the eagles are going to play uh washington on monday night football they played them uh like i was saying in what was that the first chip kelly game was monday night football that was monday Night football um the houdini game with Wentz in 2017 against washington that's a game i could have on here but i don't have it um you no, that was a Monday Night Football game. So next time Eagles-Washington uh, Monday Night Football, something crazy could happen in the Eagles' favor, I think. Number seven, we have a double-doink game, a uh, high-pressured environment. Eagles on the road. They're on this magical run. They, they pull off this, this upset win, and you think, again, maybe, oh, my God, can we go on a Super Bowl and can we do this? The double-doink, you know, one of the most iconic things that will live on and Philadelphia lore, Philadelphia Eagles lore, the mythology of the team, however you want to say it. You know, Al Michaels has that uh, that great call – you know, that was the last great Nick Foles drive we had as Eagles fans to see him, you know, go, you know, Captain Cool and go down the field and lead them to a touchdown. Golden Tate, complete effing idiot, runs the wrong play, but still Foles finds him for a touchdown. Eagles win. Uh, the defense does pretty well. So the pretty well. Uh, what's it? Trayvon Hester gets a little touch on the ball off of was that Cody Parkey, the double doing Trayvon Hester, coincidentally, the best Hester to ever play a game in Chicago. We have number six, 2017 provisional round game at home against the Atlanta Falcons early on in the game. Miserable, absolutely miserable game. It's really cold. Falls doesn't play really well in the cold, it seems. Um, couldn't get anything going offensively. And then towards the end of the second quarter, we have Folster is an absolute duck that hits off Falcon safety Kiana Neal's knee. Torrey Smith catches it for this huge first down. The time is running out. The Eagles get a first down next play on a pass to Alshon Jeffrey. Jake Elliott's able to kick a 53-yard field goal to cut the Falcons' lead from 10 to 9 at halftime. And guess what? The Falcons didn't score another single point after that. The Eagles go down in the fourth quarter. They march on the field. They get a touchdown. They don't get the two-point conversion. They're up 15 and 10. And then we have that iconic, one of the best moments of that Super Bowl season, that goal line stand against the Falcons right down there. I was, I was at the game. It was the opposite end zone of where I was at. Uh, Jalen Mills, you know, comes up clutch. Uh, you know, people will say, oh, Jalen Mills didn't make a play on that. Jalen Mills did a lot on that play. Credit to Jalen Mills right there. Yeah, it went through Julio Jones' hands kind of, but got to give him credit for that. And, you know, one of my favorite moments ever at the link, I'm running up and down the stairs, jumping on people I know, jumping on my friends, high-fiving everyone. One of those, you know, moments that will last forever in my mind. And we are on to number five. 44-6. I feel like everyone knows 44-6. to six. How much is there to really talk about at this point? Uh, Brian Dawkins' last game in Philadelphia. as Last game as an Eagle in Philadelphia. They just absolutely trounced Dallas. If you're a loyal listener to this podcast, if you listen to me during Dallas weeks for the last couple of seasons, you know how much I have this fervor and hatred for the Cowboys. I'm getting worked up and sweaty. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see just talking about it. Uh, absolute thrashing all-time game. What more could you want in life than to beat the absolute crap out of the Cowboys and make the playoffs and make them go home? You know, winner take all type game. Whoever wins, whoever loses, going to the playoffs, not going to the playoffs. Getting close here. So this game is a really personal one for me. I'm sure one being most play people's top 20, but it's the first Eagles game that I ever remember watching myself. It's again, I'm seven years old going on eight years old, I guess. Week 16, 2001. The Eagles clinched the NFC East title for the first time since 1988. That game, they're nine and five going in that game against the seven and seven Giants team. David Akers hits a essentially game winning field goal with just seven seconds left. I'm watching it on TV, freaking out, going nuts again. Maybe I was going nuts the week before, but I don't remember. I remember that. Game in my head. It's when I'm seven years old. It's when I'm first getting concrete memories. I remember that one so vividly because they clinched the division, because they made the playoffs. I think that was what sparked that, and you know, one of those you know domino effects. If it wasn't for that game, if it wasn't for me remembering that game, maybe I'm not doing this podcast right now. Maybe I'm not such an Eagles nut and freak. So credit to that. The last play of the game. Oh my gosh! So Kerry Collins, they run a hook and ladder the Giants. Do they get? I have what is it? A 14 yard pass. The Tiki Barber, he laterals it to Ron Dixon, who runs 62 yards down the field. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to score. It. They're going to they're gonna score. It. The Eagles just blew it. The Eagles just blew it. And then Damon Moore ha- tackles him at, like, the two-yard line, preserves the win. Everyone breathes a sigh of relief, probably mutters the F-bombs under their breath the entire time. The Eagles go on and win, and they made the NFC playoffs as the NFC East champion. And they go on to make the NFC championship game for the first time since 1980. Great season. My first real season as an Eagles fan. Number three, we have Miracle at the New Meadowlands. I've talked to this podcast a lot. I've done an entire podcast in 2019 about this game specifically. I might have done one even last year because it was the 10-year anniversary. I probably read an article about it on the BGM website, but we all know the story trailing 31 to 10 with 8 minutes and 17 seconds left. The Eagles go on this outrageous comeback. They go on the field. Michael Vick is look, looks like the most electric player in the history of the NFL during that run. Touchdowns to you know, Brent Sellers to Jeremy Macklin, all these things. that have an unbelievable onside kick from David Akers that Riley Cooper recovers. And then the moment we all remember so vividly, Deshaun Jackson's epic, incredible, electric, juice-filled. I'm running out of adjectives here. Punt return off Matt Dodge. Matt Dodge, why would you punt to him? That's what Tom Coughlin's still wondering. He was screaming at him after the game. Why would you punt to Deshaun Jackson? Remember, Deshaun's back there. He's, he's hyping himself up. He's hyping himself up. And I'm just like, you know, I'm watching in the living room. My dad and my dog were screaming, like, you better effing do this. You, you better effing take this back. Let's do it. And we all screaming, the dog's barking, you know, having a classic good time. And, you know, a comeback that is rarely seen ever. One of the greatest plays, single plays in NFL history. And, you know, a walk-off punt return after that epic comeback against a division rival on the road. After, like, redoing that multiple times against the Giants in the Meadowlands, you know, the Giants might have more Super Bowls than the Eagles, but the Eagles own the Giants. We have number two, number one. I'm sure you could figure out at this point what the top two games are, top two games. I'm going to have them in, in an order unlike, I'm sure, 95% of people. And we'll talk about them simultaneously because they're all twine, right? have number two, Super Bowl 52. Number one, I have the 2017 NFC Championship game. Now you're thinking, Seamus, why would you not have the Super Bowl number one? That's the most important sporting event in the history of Philadelphia sports. Absolutely agreed. Most important event in my life. Helped launch my career more. Was, you know, gave me a lot of more notoriety and led to more opportunities for me as a writer and podcast and all these things. Met my you know, domestic partner, Ashley, at the Eagle Super Bowl parade. The thing for me is, in terms of my favorite games ever, the best games ever. That game, and it could differ for so many people. That's just my experience as someone who, again, had been dreaming for this moment forever. Like I know a lot of the same thing. That's that's true of a lot of people. But the way the Eagles um, had taken such an emotional toll on my whole life, and then especially that that last two years, that game was terrible to watch. I didn't have fun watching that game until Brandon Graham's play. And that that's a personal thing to me just because my anxiety was so overwhelming. I'm at my buddy Mike's house. I talk about my, my friend Big Mike on the podcast all the time. He was supposed to come on this week. I had some scheduling issues. I want to get him on the pod this offseason. Um, you no, know, I'm watching his living. My parents are there. His mom's there. His sister's there. His, his girlfriend's there. And, you know, the whole game, I, I was drinking beforehand. I, was, like, I went to a party up at Penn, seeing some of my old college buddies up there, you know, take an uber back to mike's place in south philly and as soon as i got in there my stomach just flipped i had to stop drinking i wasn't i didn't feel like i was sick from drinking i was sick from the anxiety of this game and i watched the entire game with like his bathroom trash can in between my legs i was so nervous the entire time remember the eagles are up at halftime i'm in his backyard it's like 40 degrees out i'm shirtless because I can't stop sweating because I'm like so overheated and overwhelmed. And again, when Brandon Graham hits that strip sack, it's, you know, the most excited that I've ever been in my life, but that game was such torture. I wasn't at the game, obviously. And that's part of the reason NFC championship game is number one for me. And there, there's more to it there, um, but you could have this top two in any order. I'm sure most people, the, the vast majority of people would have this Super Bowl Number two, number one, can't argue with that. But for me personally, I have that number two because, I had the, I had all the fun after the game was over. That was the fun: going to Broad Street partying, going to the parade, day drinking at McGillen's next day. That's the fun. the fu- The fun wasn't watching Tom Brady march down the field and you know Rob Gronkowski going beast mode in the second half. That wasn't fun for me. Number one, I have the NFC Championship game, thirty to seven. I'm at the game. Look what I have behind me. You see that Patrick Robinson autographed picture of his pick six. Off case, Kingdom and the Vikings. The loudest I've been to, hundreds, hundreds. I'd probably say I've been to three or 400 Philadelphia sporting events in my life. Minimum. Very lucky and fortunate that I've been able to do that. I know that's not the case for everyone. I have never heard a stadium louder in my life than that play. Never. I had never felt the electricity of the collective Eagles fandom of the Lincoln financial field, the way I felt on that play. And as commenter Snipes88VA says, that was the play. After they did that, you knew they were going to win the Super Bowl. It was in the bag once they did that because that game started out thinking, oh, my God, this is every Eagles game ever. First possession of the game, Vikings march down field, touchdown to Kyle Rudolph. He catches it in the end zone, corner of the end zone where I'm sitting. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is every Eagles game I've ever seen. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They're going to do this. We haven't got so hooked up. and We don't have wins and all these things. Next possession for the Eagles. They go three and out. Three and out. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They're going to blow this. We're all here. We've been tailgating all day. We're going to play the Patriots. We're going to beat the Patriots finally. We're going to get that devil off our backs when we can. Next, next possession. Case Keenum drops back. Chris Long, legendary Chris Long, bats Keenum's arm. Balls up in the air. Not going to the directed receiver. Patrick Robinson gets it. Runs all around. People in Philly love to, you know, crap on Joe Buck. Joe Buck has my two favorite national calls ever. One being from the 2008 NLCS. Stares, rips one in the night. Pinch hit home run for the Phillies, and then looking for a block gets it oh man Darby got blown the f up on that play didn't that was insane the way he got blown up and after that um you know it's one of those the joke I always made I started I started the play in row six section whatever and ended it like two sections over in a different row just it was like a madhouse people were getting like literally people were crowd surfing in the end zone, people are like throwing beers and, you know, bottles of liquor they snuck in. It was just absolute pandemonium. And after that, it just became a rout. They beat the snot out of them, embarrassed them. All those Vikings fans came to Philadelphia. They struck the art museum. They would all their baby. Oh, they were all mean to me. Hey, they're all mean to me. Shut the hell up. We smoked you. You thought you were the team of destiny going back home to play the Super Bowl in your home stadium. You were wrong. The birds were the team of destiny that year. Sorry, loser fan base. Losers. They're all losers. And at halftime, you knew they were gonna. They, the game was over. So, like halftime is usually the most anxiety-inducing part of the game. We go down to concourse, same spot, grab a couple of beers, talking with people that are f- friend friends we have from different sections, different parts of the stadium. We're all congregating, and my God, it looked like a you know like a a club down there with how wild people were getting in going crazy, passing stuff around. Uh, it was just just a magnificent moment in my life. And, you know, I was there with my family, the people I've seen tickets with, a ton of my best friends from growing up in South Philly were there too. Um, just magic. And I was there for it. Again, that's part of it too. I was there for it. I experienced that Patrick Robinson return. I felt the stadium shaking. I saw Nick Foles' right arm get touched by God on some of those throws he made. I witnessed it. I bore witness to it. And that's why it's my favorite Eagles game of all time. A little bit of longer podcast, right? I'm clocking in about 40 minutes in here. I'm feeling excited now. That was the point of the podcast is that if you listen to it, maybe you get a little bit more excited about the Eagles. Maybe you'll get a little bit more excited about the state of Philadelphia sports. And maybe when, if you're sitting on the beach this summer, this, this weekend or if you're just staying in the city, if you're, if you're not from Philadelphia and you're staying wherever you are, Maybe you're sitting there having a cold drink, whether it's a beer or just you know glass of orange juice in the morning for breakfast. You can stop and think about all these great moments we've experienced as Eagles fans prior and all the great things we can hopefully experience again one day. That's it for me. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram app, Seamus underscore Clancy. Follow the BGN Instagram app, Leading Green Insta, that I help run with our fantastic producer, rachel uh, Be sure to subscribe in Apple and Spotify or whatever podcast platform platform you use throw a five-star review in there please do that as well um, also if you like the podcast if you like my tweets if you like my writing for bgn be sure to check out my subscription-based newsletter patreon.com backslash Seamus underscore clancy give you a philadelphia sports newsletter every monday through friday morning i've been doing this for nearly two years it's my baby it's my pet project it helps sign up for it if you like it unsubscribe after a month just try it out try it out two bucks if you want a sample newsletter if you want to see it's what about what it's about. Shoot me an email. I'll send you the most recent one at SeamusJClancy at gmail.com. If you want to sample for it, do that, and hopefully I can get you to become a recurring customer after that. That's it for me. Stay safe this weekend. Have some fun. Go, Birds. I'm excited for the day that a future game gets added to this list. Keep leading green. G and...